our Sunday exercise. Bodily exercise doeth little, but it does something, folks. So we should do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You rule and reign. We glorify your name today. Lord, today we have come with many different experiences this past week. Father, we have had family members here that have lost their loved ones. We have family members in the hospital this week. We have situations laying off of a job. We've had jobs that people have gotten. All different experiences, but Father, now we, we zero our hearts into your word today. And we let your word be our peace. Your word be our joy. Your word be our direction in every area of our life. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we pray for other nations, the situations that are going on around the world, the devastation of evil. We come against that in Jesus' name. Let us, Valley Community Church, be a church that enlarges our coast, reaching out into the marketplace, reaching out into our world, to the mission field. And we give you honor for that. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. And Father, we love you. We thank you for our lives. Hallelujah. Everyone say amen. amen. Greet somebody before you are seated. Amen. Hey, my friend. Love you. Praise the Lord. Can you say Jesus? Amen. Amen. There is something about that name. Praise the Lord. We've been, we've been uh, teaching on a series called The Body of Christ Discovering God. The Body of Christ Discovering God. And what we've been talking about, we've been talking about encounters, and in these encounters, knowing who God is, then our concept of God is changed. No matter where you're at, there have been situations in your life that have caused your concept of God to be skewed in some ways. There are situations in your life that have happened that have caused your concept of God to be corrected in some ways, to where now today you see God the way you're supposed to see God. We're going to go into another encounter that Jesus had. We're going to discover more about our God. So let me remind you, first of all, that Jesus is God. John 1.1 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So again, Jesus was God, is God, even while he was on this earth, he was God. So if you want to know God <laughs> and what he is like, look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Last week, we looked at probably the richest man in Israel. Did you enjoy that? About Nicodemus. This week, we will look at probably one of the poorest people in Israel. Last week, the rich young ruler. This week, the poor old widow. The Bible tells us she was poor, and the Bible tells us that she was widowed, but I don't really know if she was old. I'm just supposing that she was. In Mark chapter 12, verse 41, is where we're going to find this story. And what I want you to recognize is that there is 
a concept that we have of God regarding riches or poverty. And in religious church, it is skewed awfully. How many of you know that God loves everybody? How many of you know that the gospel of Jesus Christ is open to everybody? Amen. So, but the tendency of mankind is to have this concept that God loves the poor and God hates the rich. And that's not true. But let's go ahead and read this story, and let's learn what this woman learned. Let's learn what we can learn from her encounter, or literally the encounter that Jesus had with her life. In Mark 12, verse 41, it says, Now Jesus sat opposite of the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Everyone say, much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes a quadrants. We'll explain that in a little bit. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them. Now, a lot of times when we read this, we, he called the disciples, gentlemen, time for a meeting. Gentlemen, come here. I want to teach you something. Let me just kind of, at the beginning, give you what I see in this story. Jesus, we're going to talk about this in a moment. Jesus literally is sitting opposite of the treasury, looking, he's God, looking at how people are giving. Got that? Okay. Then he sees many rich giving much. But he sees this poor widow that I'm picturing lived a long life but is faithful. And he sees her and what she does. And instead of, gentlemen, let's have a meeting. Hey, guys, come here, come here. Come here, guys, come here. Come on, quick, 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 quick. Look. There she is. Look at her. I am so proud of who she is. Come on, guys. Let me show you. What I see in her and how proud I am of what I see. Does that change your mentality of the story? Well, let's talk about it. Let's read the rest here. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Surely I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. There are a lot of people giving in the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty. But in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Hmm. So let's see what this encounter shows us. First of all, we must understand that God sees people that no one else sees. We get focused on specific things of people. What's good, our thinking, what's good and what's bad. But God sees people that no one else sees. This woman was poor. Matter of fact, she was so poor, the Bible used a word that is not used most times in the New Testament describing poor. This word literally can be translated as beggar. This beggar woman. This woman, literally, actually, the same word used describing the beggar is the same word regarding the story of Lazarus and the rich man. This woman had extreme poverty to the point of being destitute. And Jesus said, guys, guys, come here, come here. I want to look. This is how we need to be. She is the perfect example of what we need to be. Hmm. She was destitute. 
The literal word describes her as miserably poor. That most people who have her poverty are miserable. But God, Jesus, recognized her. This is a woman that no one else saw. This is a woman that society doesn't even want to look to because they don't know what to do with her. No one in any way was helping this woman. Yet Jesus, who is God, saw her. Why? Because Jesus sees people no one else sees. You know, I wonder how many times she went to church and no one noticed or even spoke to her. You know, many times as I, as I speak, I, I, I look out into the congregation. I, I want to see my family. I, I look out, and sometimes when I'm standing up here and someone else is talking, I'm looking around, and I'm just, you know, thumbs up, saying hi, smiling at somebody, getting visual, you know, looking at someone, because you're my church family, and I love you, and I believe in you, and I just, I pray for you, I, I, <clears throat> I see you. Many of you, you don't know each other's stories, and, and I know a lot of people's stories, and, and I stand there amazed because of your story and who you really are, and I want to tell you, Every one of you in your life, God recognizes you. God sees your life. So in this, a lot of times I pray. And one time, you know, the Lord said to me, Gary, I want you to recognize those that no one else sees. So there are times I will see people walk in, and I can tell leading on the Holy Spirit or watch or see and notice that there are some that are really hurting some, they're having a hard time. And you know, literally, sometimes people say, well, you shouldn't do that when you're a pastor doing that, you know, preaching to someone. But sometimes I will change a little bit of my sermon to preach at that person, and in preaching at that person, not downgrading, but to pick them up and to lift them up. And some I've seen, they've come in with a sad countenance, and they've left happy. The joy of the Lord that Terry was talking about and so in that, there are times, you know, and some of you probably, when I look at you from the platform, you'll go, <laughs> but uh, no, you won't do that. But we need to understand that we need to see someone who feels all alone. We need to see people that are hurting. We need to see the young person who is seeking God. And we need to encourage them. Sometimes when I see and recognize them, um, the Lord will even give me a word for them. And I won't be saying, thus saith the Lord, you in the sixth row, the third to the right. I'll, I will just speak the word to them. And I will emphasize the word, knowing that they would hear God's heart. I desire that people would in the midst of whatever is happening in their life, to really have a correct concept of God and know that God recognizes them and he sees you. He sees the problem. He sees the joy. He sees it when you come in all excited for Jesus because Jesus did the miracle. He sees that too. And he's dancing with you. And he's excited with you. Even though we're talking about this Poor woman, we're going to be talking about the rich people too. But we're going to notice how God sees us. The life that you lead, the life that you have, things that even God brings to your life to encounter, he's there watching. But when you come here, and maybe you come here and you feel like you weren't recognized. You feel like no one said hello to you, that no one really noticed you. I apologize for that. I'm sorry if that ever happens to you. I don't believe that really happens much here because I know who you are. And you're always so gracious to one another and gracious to people. 
But we need to understand our concept of God, that God isn't this God sitting up on the throne waiting for us to do something great. So, oh, that was pretty cool. Could have done better. But see, there are a lot of people who have a concept of God that way. That's why they're always trying to do the good things. They're trying to uh, do better in their life and always fighting, fighting, fighting to get better. And then when you talk to them, they always say, well, you know, God understands the struggle that I lead. And No, 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 wait, 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 no, no. God is seeing those little things that you did in the faith that you have. If you're here and you feel like no one even recognizes that you're alive, God recognizes you're alive. He has plans for you. The Lord sees your heart. So listen to the word today. And even in maybe some of the words might even be corrective to you, get hugged by the word today, would you? Would you allow the Lord to just absolutely overwhelm you? Let me show you some people God sees that no one else does. In Psalm 68, verse 5, it says, He is a father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. King of kings and the Lord of lords on his throne recognizes these type of people. Exodus 22, verse 22. You shall not afflict any widow or fatherless child. If you afflict them in any way and they cry at all to me, I will surely hear their cry and my wrath will become hot and I will kill you with the sword. Whoa. Your wives shall be widows and your children fatherless. Wow. Do you think God has a, the concept of, do you think God is thinking about those that are hurting? Absolutely. Now, I, I understand, you know, the, the word widow is actually talking about one that has no family at all, is widowed, her husband passed away, but there is no family around at all. And uh, so in that, that the, the church was assigned to help take care of her. And so there's a lot of widows that have family. But that's really strong what, what God said, and the why is because God sees what no one else sees. James chapter 1, verse 27. Now, I've been speaking about religion, but this word religion here means a service to God. So it's not really talking about man's ideas. It's talking about a, someone who is religious as a sense of that they're serving God. They're walking in an anointing to serve God. James 1.27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Basically, God has always been for the underdog. And let me tell you why he's for the underdog. Not because the upper dog is mean and cruel. He's for the underdog because he has planned greater things for them. Are you hearing that? Okay, in today's society, it's always victimology. And so what God is saying when he is for the underdog is because God, our concept of God, should be that God sees you, he sees where you're at, he even sees the mistakes that you've made, he's seen the wrong choices, he's seen the wrong actions, but he's also seen you come to him and repent, he's seen those things, and now you are an underdog, it's tough, life is not that good for you right now. He sees that, but he's got a better plan for you. God has a better plan. It's not that that's where you're going to be the rest of your life. He said, wait, 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 no. See who I am. Trust in me. Believe in me because I will take you to greater heights than you could ever dream of. Because greater is he that's within you. God ministers to regular people. God sees you, and he stops you. Hey, guys, come here, come here, come here. Look at, look at her. She's amazing. She, man, let me tell you about her. So when you recognize this, we all will stop being a victim. There was a man named Cornelius. 
Now, Cornelius wasn't even a Christian. The Bible talks about that Cornelius gave alms to the poor, and God recognized Cornelius, and watch what God does. He sent one of the preeminent apostles named Peter to share the gospel to him. The Bible tells us that Cornelius gets saved and his whole household. Now, he could have sent Joe Blow down the street, who just got saved last week, who's excited about Jesus. But here's Cornelius, who was a gracious man, was a giving man, but he wasn't born again, and he sends the apostle Peter to talk with him. The Bible tells us that he will set us before kings. God's heart for you and me is to set us before kings, is to bring us to a place higher than we could ever think of, ever ask. Greater things he'd give you than, greater than you could ever ask or think. That's the God that you and I serve. So wherever you are at, wherever we are at, God has greater things for us, but we have to see God as that. We have to see a God that sees what's going on in our life. Things that maybe are not fair, God sees that. Things that are fair, that we've messed up. We had chance after chance after chance. God sees that, that we messed up. But his heart is still to see the real you, and he always has his plan in his focus for you. It's never too late. People give up, though, because they have a wrong concept of God. So, isn't that what we should do too? Shouldn't we have a greater desire for others to succeed than even ourselves? Those in the church, those in the marketplace, those outside these four walls. You and I need to get to a place of not changing and being that wonderful giver. No, we need to understand who God is, how he sees us, and if he sees us this way, then we need to see others that way. Are you following me? Guys, guys, come here, let me show you. This is how we need to be. <laughs> you know, sometimes we don't understand others. How many of you have watched people at work and you I just don't understand why they do what they do? Man, they're strange. I know I'm not ra I wasn't raised that way, but why? Okay, well, I got an email from Africa a few weeks ago, and uh, they said, Pastor, we're listening to your teaching, and we are fed up with them. I read it again. We're <laughs> listening to your teaching, and we are fed up with them. Well, if you understand in the culture, you know, they, they misuse the words. In other words, they are full of the word of God. Okay? And so people are different. They talk differently. But see, that doesn't matter to God. What matters to God is that he has a plan for them that is greater than you could ever pray for. Same with you. So if today you feel like no one is recognizing you, God does, open your heart and receive his open arms and then begin to live the way he does. And when you give, it's given back to you. The second thing that we learn is God sees actions that no one else sees. Jesus saw the woman giving the offering, and notice it told us Jesus sat opposite of the treasury. You hear so many people, you know, you shouldn't talk about money in the church. You shouldn't talk about offerings in the church. 
those preachers, they talk too much about money. Well, let me just tell you, in this story, Jesus pulls up a chair and sits opposite of the treasury and watches everyone that comes in that gives. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you think Jesus still watches people and their giving today? Yeah, he does. Do you think Jesus at the right hand of the Father said, Father, look! Look! God sees actions no one else sees. So, in this encounter, Jesus sees the actions of the woman who gives a lot but has so little. The word for they gave more or put in is translated brass pennies in the scripture there. So in other words, the more or the much or the many is we're talking about brass pennies. Now let me tell you what brass pennies are. In Matthew uh, 10, verse 9, it says, provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts. Brass pennies. Brass pennies is a tenth of a denarius. Now, a denarius is a Roman penny. So a brass penny, it took 10 brass pennies to make up or to be one penny in the Roman money. So let me show you the word. In Mark 12, verse 41, it says, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how, everyone say how. how. Saw how people put money or brass pennies into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make up quadrants or farthing, a quadrant is a quarter of a brass penny. A brass penny is one-tenth of a Roman penny, denarius. So she gave a quarter of a brass penny. What, how does that relate? What, what's going on here? The average laborer got a denarius, a Roman penny, a day, or 10 brass pennies a day for their labor of that day. So this woman's wage, because he's talking about the wage, was one quarter of a brass penny. Or her daily wage was one fortieth of the average daily wage. That's how poor she was. Well, let's talk about the rich. The rich said, the rich put in much. Mark 12, 41 says, many who were rich put in much. The word much is the same word scripture translated as many also. So many rich people were putting in many. So the question what were they putting in many of? The answer was brass pennies. Now, let me just say this statement and let me explain the statement to you. That's why Jesus got so upset. The widow put in all she had and the rich people putting in pennies or many pennies. Jesus said that woman put in her livelihood or a day's wage for her. She literally wouldn't eat that day if someone didn't offer her dinner. And Jesus said these people were giving pennies for the bride of Christ. Okay. Now, here's a statement. Jesus is not looking at how much you give. Jesus wasn't looking at the rich people 
and saying, I'm ticked because they could have given more pennies. He is looking at what you have to give. That's why the Bible speaks of percentage giving so everyone can give. So the whole teaching of this, most of the time, we're always talking about how much the people gave. We're always talking about, okay, in this we understand how many pennies. The rich people should have given more pennies because they were rich. And that's not what Jesus was really talking about here. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2, in the Living Bible, it says this, On every Lord's day, each of you should put aside something from what you have earned during the week and use it for this offering percentage. That's why we talk about tithe. That's why we talk about offering. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. So he's teaching them about a lifestyle of giving, a lifestyle of tithe. The Word of God talks about tithing in other scripture. Every Lord's Day. Don't come empty-handed. Sometimes, though, the more money we make, sometimes the more harder it can be to give that percentage. Amen? How many of you, when you first started tithing, you know, you, you were making small amount of money a week, and so, you know, I can do that, that's great. Then all of a sudden, you get a promotion, you get a raise, you get a promotion, you get a raise, and all of a sudden, it, it gets larger, and all, and all of a sudden, you're writing out this check and say, oh, there's another zero on there. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But God sees people that no one else sees, and stay with the thought that I'm, I'm, I'm bringing you, because what I'm what I'm really trying to do is break the, the, this wrong concept of God between, you know, uh, poor, middle class, rich, all the different things that destroys churches, destroys families in the body of Christ because of a wrong outcome uh, of their giving because of the wrong thoughts of who God is. God sees actions that no one else sees. See, God sees that you do the right thing at the office. God sees that you do the right thing in your marriage. God sees when you volunteer at the church. And watch this, and God rewards that. Jesus is a rewarder, Hebrews eleven six 6 tells us. But Jesus stopped everything. Hey, guys, come here, come here. Look at this woman. She is amazing. She's, Jesus stopped everything and called his disciples over and said, did you see what this woman did? Let me just tell you the time frame of this story. This was the last week of Jesus' life before he was crucified. He's famous now. Everywhere he goes, everyone knows him. He raises the dead. Everyone knows that he heals the leper. Everyone knows that he restores the sight to the blind. And Jesus yells, hold it! <clears throat> I want everyone to know something. Because God recognizes people we don't see. God recognizes the actions that people do, that we don't see it. Hmm. He says, this woman's amazing. She gave more than all of you. Now again, we're, we're, we're running to the amount, the amount of pennies. We're looking at the brass pennies. We're looking at the denarius. We're looking at, at all of this. Why did he do this? He sees what no one else sees. So third of all, <clears throat> this is what I want us to get. 
about every area of our life, in our giving and in our actions of life, how we give ourselves away. The third thing we're going to learn is Jesus sees attitudes that no one else sees. This whole story is not about that rich guy didn't give enough, he should have given more. That poor woman, they shouldn't, the church shouldn't receive anything from her because she had nothing to give. You know, all these different just thoughts that we have. Mark 12, 41, now Jesus sat opposite of the treasury and saw how. Everyone say how. how. The people put money into the treasury. See, how is an important word. Jesus was watching how they were giving. Jesus was watching their attitudes when they were giving. Jesus watches my attitude when I write out a check. Jesus watches my attitude when the Holy Spirit says, have patience with that person. And I'm going, what? <sighs> Amen? Are you following me here? Jesus watches my attitude when I volunteer at church. Pastor, you don't volunteer at church. You get a salary. Yeah, I do. But I volunteer a lot at church. Amen. I volunteer a lot. See, Jesus sees what I do. You don't see it. And he sees my heart. It's not what I'm doing. He sees the heart in what I'm doing. He sees the heart in what I'm giving. And he was making a statement of basically notice this woman's heart and notice this rich guy or this person, middle class guy or this business guy or this athlete guy. Notice how they're giving. Notice their attitude. Notice their heart. This woman probably went to the offering box and she knew that's all she had. She probably went to the offering box and this breaks my heart. She goes up to the box. I know because Jesus noticed it, how she was giving. And I can imagine her walking up there <laughs> and having... Those two mites, everyone else going, just drop it in the box. It's not going to do anything for us. But she's holding on to it, and she's going, thank you for my life. I had 25 years with my husband, and it was beautiful. Thank you. I got a job. And I'm eating, and I want you to know I believe in you. So today, I'm believing for greater things. And I'm putting everything in. And I'm going to trust in you. When you are facing the hardest time in your life, God is watching. He's not watching, you know, whether... You know, you, you gave 11 pennies and the other rich guy gave 10. He's watching the heart when you're giving. He's watching the heart when you're serving. When someone in leadership here says, hey, can you help out? Yeah, what do you want me to do? Well, you know what? We got this cover, this cover, but can you help me by making sure the bathroom's clean? Really? The bathroom. Do you not know what I'm called to do? <laughs> do you not know my gift? Do you not know my experience? 
I mean, I, I'm it. If you really knew who I was, it would change everything in your life. Then <laughs> I want to go up to them and shake their hand and say, hello, God, how are you? But see, that's what Jesus was doing. He was, he was, look at this woman. Look at her heart. She could be angry at God, Father God. She could be angry at the church. She could be angry at their neighbors. She could mouth off about her boss all the time. Look at her. So a lot of times we think that Jesus is way off in the corner around the wall looking. Oh, there comes brother so-and-so. He was sitting right here where Mary is in the front row here. And that's where the box was. Now, I don't know if he was like, or, you know, just, no, he wasn't. He was really looking at the heart of people. And what I learned from this encounter with Jesus, knowing that Jesus is God, so this is the heart of God, I know that God watches my heart. See, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He he, he owns everything. So when sometimes the Lord leads Terry and I to give in a big way, and we give, we go, look at God, what I did. <laughs> You're going to bless me, and I'm going to be blessed of God. And no, wait a minute. If you give it, it shall be given back to you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You know, 30, 60, 100 fold, all the different positive, wonderful scriptures with all that is true, but I, I have to watch my attitude in that. It's not because the many, even though the many with the right heart <laughs> produces much. Amen. But what God is looking for, he's looking for a people that so love people, so love the things of God, so love the church, so love his creative aspect of life. He created the body of Christ. He created the church. He created giving. He created all of these things. Let patience have her perfect work that you may uh, want or lack anything. You, that you live your life with an attitude of joy. Terry got up, didn't know really what I was speaking on today, and brought up to you that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the joy of the Lord comes out of an attitude towards who God is in our life. Our God knows what we need before we ask for it. Our God desires for us to receive in abundance the things that we need because he's planned your life and he's given that to you. But it is the attitude sometimes, and I'm going to say it, in my life that stinks. My attitude stinks. And I go into this thing thinking that I know it all, and I don't. Are you with me, church? She looked up with such gratitude. So thankful to be able to give to God, to be able to give to the church. That's when Jesus said, oh, wait a minute. Take a selfie with her. Because this is the picture of what I want to see in every one of you guys. Hold it. Hmm. Let me tell you what happened. 
just before this story. It's in Mark, and it's in the book of Luke. Remember, we're talking about synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. John is part of the gospels, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic, similar. Mark 12, verse 38 through 40 says, Then he said to them in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. And Jesus goes, wait, stop, look, look at her. That's it. That's what it's all about, guys. I'm leaving you in a few days. Forward conversations. I'm leaving you in a few days. Guys, this is what it's all about. Everything Jesus says is they draw attention to themselves and they devour widows' houses. Two things got Jesus upset, and that's pride and greed. I could just, I could just see, you know, I mean, this is what really happened, but I could just see him sitting there, like here, where the box is, Mary, and, and he's sitting there, and he's going, oh, what an amazing guy. Oh, what a heart for the Lord. Thank you, Father, for, for my brother. Oh, my, oh, my sister, what, just amazing pride, selfishness. Next person, pride, 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 really selfish. Hey, guys, here it is. It's what she is. This is, is, this is the nutshell right here. And when we realize that God's not running around, you know, that we got on our belt, you know, we've done this and we gave this much. And, you know, I've had people through the years, you know, well, I've given this much to the church. I said, praise God, brother. That's awesome you did that. That's so cool that you did that. And I walk away and I'm just brokenhearted because it's not about what you gave. It's the heart behind what you gave. So the story of the woman happened on, let me just say it this way, on Tuesday, and on Friday, Jesus went to the cross. You know why Jesus went to the cross? Jesus went to the cross to redeem people's hearts, and the story of the woman was about the heart that controls your attitude. Your attitude controls your actions. If you're here today and you're having problems with sin, you're having problems with actions, you're having problems with maybe an attitude. I'm so tired of church. I'm so tired of Christians. I'm so... Jesus is the only one who can change your heart. Heart doesn't change because you give more. Heart doesn't change because you volunteer for everything. The heart changes because you know who your God is. And you become so thankful. And your attitude is that you are so overwhelmed by what God has done for you. And even though people around you might make mistakes, you love them because your attitude is... I've been like that person. And God, you forgave me. And you loved me. So you forgive. You see, the law talks about the actions, but Jesus talks about the heart. Religion, man's religion, talks about 
what you've accomplished, what you've done, how much you have, how much you've given, what you didn't give, all the above. But God talks about the heart. And when the heart is corrected, then what you do is 100% recognized in God's kingdom and it brings blessings to you. Because when you have an encounter with Jesus, it's because he recognizes you. He sees people no one else sees. Jesus sees actions that no one else sees. God cares. God knows your heart when you're devastated, when people around you have just beat you up emotionally, all the above, but God saw your heart in the midst of that. And God has an answer for it, and God is going to bring it. He's going he's to recognize it, just like this woman. We're talking about her today, one of the poorest women in Israel of that day, and we're still talking about her. And because the church sometimes becomes so religious, the church still sees the situation wrong than what Jesus was trying to bring. But at Valley Community Church, our concept of God has been corrected. So God sees attitudes that no one else sees. So the conclusion of that is he can change and transform anyone by redeeming the heart. Your actions change, your giving changes because you have a heart for God. Let me just tell you what God's doing right now. They're together and they're rejoicing in who you are. Because many of you got up this morning. You've had a long week. You've faced situations. Some of you have been up most of the night with your grandchild. Because your daughter-in-law is in the hospital. But the attitude of the heart is, I am called of God and I'm here. And I'm going to serve God with all. Nothing's going to keep me away from God, what you've asked me to do. Because I love you. I would rather serve you. What's the Bible say? I'd rather be in the presence of the Lord one day than a thousand elsewhere. You know what that's talking about? Our heart. One day. Let's all stand.